XX. I am your host, Steve Eurydice, and uh, today, on in, in our second month of lockdown, we have with us uh, a sister uh, consummate artist, <laughs> Francesca Seiden. She's a filmmaker, writer, director, photographer, tarot reader, and sex magic uh, practitioner, healer. Um, and fellow alchemist. So we'll find out more about all of these uh, titles <laughs> uh, in the podcast right now. Welcome, Francesca. Thank you. I, I just realized how many titles you just <laughs> named. <laughs> I know, you know, I feel that like a big, a big challenge for us women in the patriarchy has been, you know, not just to have a voice, but to keep like... Um, you know, fit in our voice in all those little categories, you know, and I and I feel that like the more that we actually, you know, speak up and try to adopt the the voice of the of the dominant culture, which I call patriarchy, but you know, it oppresses both all genders. Being in patriarchy, the more we try to adapt to its prevalent language. And, and speak in a way that's simple and understood by the majority, the more um, it insists on compartmentalizing us and putting us in two little, you know, limited categories that it finds, uh, you know, productive, <laughs> that it, it considers, um, you know, monetizable, right? So when one is just an artist, um, doing what one is called, there is no name per se for it in the dominant culture, in this patriarchy that oppresses all genders. So, I, you know, if we just say she's an artist, then, you know, the, this, the 21st century audience understands that to be someone who works mostly in visual art, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, rather than alchemy or uh, energy exchange or, you know, sexuality or tarot or any, any of those modalities. So, and, you know, to me, I feel they're all the same. They're all one. They're all aspects of one. But to, um, you know, to, to try and, and, and share them, we have to go through the familiar channel of these words that are designed to you know, to turn us into, uh, um, I think like uh, illustrations, <laughs> you know, like two D <laughs> or three D yeah. versions of our like sixty uh, entities. So anyway, that's why all the titles. <laughs> I like I like that you I, I like that you numbered the entities into sixty. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, so um, in your journey, you uh, have worked a lot with uh, transmuting sexual energy, which is really our life force and which is what we women um, have plenty of <laughs> since we're yeah. the life creators, um, you know, channeling uh, sexual energy into creative outlets right, uh, or spiritual uh, manifestations, um, you know, finding ways of, of taking that, uh, 
that potency of being in a space of desire, of being in a space of high excitement, and then, of course, of orgasm, which is the, the one experience that I think everyone shares where you're out of yourself as you know it. So, like, however briefly, you're actually not you as, uh, you know, your friends, your dog, <laughs> your parents, uh, your, mm. you know, your colleagues, your customers, ouch, uh, you know, oh, everyone knows you. You are, in, you know, a greater consciousness. So kind of like being able to access that place, energetic place, that electromagnetic, uh, you know, existence and put it into one's output, which we call work, uh, creative output, or even clarity, you know, life decisions, I think is, is transformational, and it makes sense to think about it uh, right now when everyone is, you know, shut in, and therefore um, has time to kind of like look at themselves and think about their choices in life and... Um, uh, think about you know different ways of of um, prioritizing, not just kind of like following the trend and doing what everyone expects them or what's in front of their face or where most of the money comes from or you know what the people around them are doing, uh, or, or, but but instead doing what perhaps makes them feel the best and uh, most fulfilled. So I think it's a good time to have these conversations you know of um sexual energy is a uh, alchemical transformation and uh, an energy shift uh, and and you know knowing you know accessing that clarity when the world around us has quieted down and you know other than like you know the non-stop feed about the coronavirus, <laughs> you know, all the yeah. other like everyday distractions have subsided a little. So there is a lot of space, that vast space, right, between our, our ears and our third eye, um, you know, I think it has made itself like more more known to more people. So it's a, it's a good time to use, uh, you know, ceremonial habits to structure you know this this unknowingness this time of not knowing it's the best it's the best time to use any kind of ritual or um or spiritual practice um because it does provide such like you said clarity and empowerment too because once you get once you become comfortable in performing ritualistic acts, whatever they might be, whatever the practice is, whether it's the beginning of a, of a practice or middle or experimenting, it really, <laughs> it does provide this self-empowered um, way of taking care of yourself as well as, as well as your surroundings and your energy. And then, um, and then creating this like <laughs> creating this confidence around that that you can really take control of your life without only uh, 
I guess, without like um, just counting on your action. So it's like kind of, it's like the, you know, the law of cause and effect where you put your, it's not just blind faith, but you use like this, this, this faith of manifestation where like the, the will, I will, um, willing it to happen plus the action to transform any situation. And that could be energetically or it could be in a tangible way. It's really hard to keep, to keep it going sometimes because, you know, I've like, even as a, as a human being and as a practitioner, like, um, starting to use, use like, you know, for, for me in sexual alchemy, I use the word trauma and it doesn't have to be, uh, such a traumatic event, but just traumatic experiences that definitely reshape your DNA and the way that you think and the way that you maneuver in the world, all those little things um, can be, you know, are traumatic events that can be transformed in, like can be mutated, transmutated into empowerment. So how do you turn it into power? And like getting stuck in, in, in the narrative, in the loop, in the looping thinking and that obsessive compulsive thinking can um, that comes back. You know, it's, it's not, it's definitely like a practice where you have to be like, okay, I'm in my loop. How long do I want to stay in this loop for? I'll give myself two days. I'll give myself a week. You know, I'll be okay when I'm in that looping thought. But two I know years, that I, um, you know, yeah, whole, exactly. whole, the entirety of a marriage, <laughs> the entirety <laughs> of a motherhood. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, exactly. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like, you know, the entire, the entirety of like my life in my own culture. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you, you literally have to transplant yourself whether it's linguistically or geographically or culturally or or role-wise in order to get out of a narrative if it's really deeply, you know, embedded. Ingrained. And ingrained, yeah. yeah. But sometimes, especially but sometimes like, uh, you know, generational, especially the generational narrative, which like you were, that's how you learned language. You know, sometimes you learn language, like the definition of things is given to you from a very, you know, very skewed point of view and getting out of that original mythology takes work. Well, that, take, that takes a lot of work. And ancestral yeah. karmic, you know, patterns and, and, and DNA. And I mean, meditation, which is part of ma- any kind of magic, is part of reshaping your DNA, like re- literally reshaping yourself. So... That is, but it's, but those triggers, those like, or those, those, those events or those, the, or, you know, just having that DNA embedded in us is there. So we do go back no matter what as human beings, unless, unless you're in this, like such a high state of consciousness that you've already transformed into the 5D world. And I know some people that have that, which is incredible and it's amazing. It's completely pure bliss. And I, I am, I'm so like, Oh, I wish I could do that, but I can't, I go back into my little loopholes and, or if something new happens, like I have my triggers that come up and, and the only thing is just practicing or just having the wisdom is knowing that I know that that they're temporary and I can use them 
for <laughs> I can use them for good and not just for evil. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to say, you know, um, there is a reason that the Buddha like left the palace, left the kids, left the wife, left other people in charge, right, and went under the banyan tree and sat there. So, you know, it's easier to be to live in pure bliss if you renounce the responsibilities of the world, if you're not a mother, if you're not a caretaker, if you're not a, you know, um, health provider <laughs> or food provider or whatever it is that you've taken on as part of like your service to the world, right? So it's, it's easier if you live from that place. Um, but the moment that you engage in real uh, emotional and, and, and selfless relationship, I feel, with others where you agree to put others before anything else because that's the ultimate nature of love, then you are not going to be consistently in that like higher consciousness place because, you know, you're going to, your, your humanity <laughs> yeah. is going to bring you back um, into those, you know, modes of of um, of exchange of 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 love exchange, I call it, which are not the higher love, but they are like the animal love, <laughs> you know. Right. And it's like that's that's also who we are. We we are this um, little, you know, this this like monkeys with like one percent of our brain DNA different. <laughs> and so we're all of that, you know. I feel so. You know, I, I I don't know that that I think that we sh you know we all need to attain like high the highest um, place of consciousness. Uh, you know, I think like kind of like balancing in midair <laughs> most of the time it's pretty good. You know, so everything so that you know because there are many different parts to play in the world, and you know if more and more of us are are aware and are you know playing them from a place of consciousness that's amazing yeah but we we can't all like be enlightened teachers that's <laughs> you know you know or even enlightened farmers <laughs> you know yeah somebody has to be with the kids and somebody has to be in those classrooms and somebody you know has to like go out there in the front lines or somebody has you know there's like a lot of stuff um work to be done that involves daily change with each other personally um but yeah i think that you know what what i'd like to discuss is you know how to do how to what to do with like all this juice that people have right now you know i know that a lot of people are like you know masturbating or at least fantasizing <laughs> you know uh maybe they're you know watching porn or you know tr in, uh, talking to new people texting and sublimating in all kinds of ways right so i feel that like that arousal is good for our bodies and it supports our immune systems and it supports our safety right as well as like our ascension process so um you know whether we're like alone or in a couple space there, there there are a lot of things that we can do to play with it and uh, you know change it around and use it for all kinds of like positive change in our lives so i wanted to 
find out what some of your suggestions might be. One thing I talk about and try to remove is the toxic shame of surrounding sexuality, which is why when I, you know, see people like you that are doing, um, you know, working in the, in the similar energetic field and really kind of spotlighting sexual health, however that is taken, um, I, I feel like it's probably the best gift that most people can be given because there's still today so much toxic shame regarding anything to do with like masturbation or uh, fetishes or kink or um, conversation or openness. Like even when you're together for a long time, just because you're together for a long time, you'd be really surprised of like skeletons in the closet because of embarrassment. So I think that in the foundational point of view for starters is to not, is to start take removing the blockages and the toxic shame surrounding anything that has to do with, with um, these so-called quote unquote embarrassing or shameful acts or desires uh, for each individual. I mean, obviously I'm not, <laughs> let me clarify and say that I'm not talking about something that's illegal or that's, you know, harmful to anyone, but I'm, I'm talking about the general broad perspective surrounding, um, healthy, normal. I don't even know what normal would be, but within reason, um, you know, fetishes, obviously not, no harming or killing or anything like that. That's what I'm getting at. No mental, no mental harm or, or physical harm to, to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, for me, that's what Speak Sex is all about. And that's why I started this podcast. And that's the, the message, the main message, which is, you know, just like, don't, don't hide it. Don't keep it in. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Just speak it. You know, once you find the, the freedom, the self-love to just talk about, yeah. to say it and to say it not just to me and not just to your friends but to the one you want to be with the one whose judgment in this way <laughs> matters to you the most um and and say it without that terror of like rejection then that's it you know that's the portal to all kinds of of freedoms that are not Completely. just sexual um and my you know my concept for this, you know, podcast and, and this methodology, so to speak, you know, was that uh, specifically our language and, and our dominant culture, or let's say the patriarchy, uh, did not regulate um, what we say during sex. It just has not given us the, you know, the proper way, let's say, of you know speaking to each other while we're aroused and while we're having sex, it's like we know all the stuff to say in order to convince each other to to mate. Um, we know all the stuff to say in order to convince each other not to talk about it. <laughs> but mm. and you know, and then of course everything else uh, that you can imagine in our lives has already been defined and prescribed and given value to by these words that we assign to it, you know, and, and how we feel about their signifiers, their, their significations. But when it comes to being naked in that kind of like heated passion 
where we are closest to, let's say, our uh, animal nature, that's what we we have been taught to think of it as, um, then we're supposed to just be quiet and, and moan, <laughs> forget the language, lose the capacity, um, put that part of the mind, you know, to sleep and basically make inarticulate sounds <laughs> until yeah. orgasm, after which, you know, we kind of like slowly return to the familiar consciousness, right? So my whole uh, original idea has been that's the space from which to try to speak um, sex and truth and ourselves, because whatever we may say then, um, it's our own, it's true. There hasn't been any modeling done for us by our parents or the TV or the phone or, you know, our brothers or our peers <laughs> or our superstars or whatever. <laughs> and um, the stakes are highest, which is when you're most honest and most focused, right? So, yeah speaking sex in all kinds of ways until you can get to that place is in my opinion you know a, a way to freedom personal freedom a hundred percent i think it starts really kind of obviously with within to be able to be comfortable without someone without being having a mate um to be able to express it freely um, to kind of experiment with your own sexual boundaries and your own uh, desires and needs and wants and embrace them and feel comfortable enough to discuss certain things that, you know, I mean, not everything because not everything is up for discussion, but um, things that, you know, might be helpful to another human being if you brought it up and you brought it up with confidence. And once that starts, like accumulating in your own life force, then when you do find a partner that you want to share this kind of free thinking with, that you are able to hold space for them to also uh, be open about their desires. Because guaranteed, I would say 90% of people have not told their partners from the beginning or throughout the relationship, maybe not 90, maybe 80. Um, Cause I'm like thinking, I'm like, Oh, well there's a huge fetish community that I'm like kind of like rolling out. But um, I would say that, yeah, 80% don't really divulge like the type of porn they're into who, if they've slept with the same sex, um, if they have, desires that are not completely uh looked at as like heteronorm um i mean i'm talking about like same. i'm talking about uh opposite sex partners um but you know and it goes same with like now like normal homosexual couples too that could be something else where it's not you know the the norm the quote-unquote norm uh is talked about but not the 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 queer eye kind of like the queer eye for the queer eye for the new guy the um you know like the just the askew point of view the askew desire um what some somebody that you haven't 
something that you've never talked about or shared with and you feel comfortable enough because someone else is holding space that they're able to listen to you and be like, oh yeah, I understand why that makes sense. And without judgment or without fear of abandonment or without fear of being judged or anything like that. So that to me is like, I think that's the, I think that's the foundation. One of the big parts of foundation of communication and relationships that has been completely missing is this sexual component of like, what do you like? And then that transfers over into how do I, how do I put this into the bedroom? Like how do we translate it into like our, our sexual life together? Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's my experience. Well, I think especially with the translating kind of like both extremes exist, you know, the people who are very reticent and the people who will immediately divulge like all kinds of experiences or everyone they've been with, or what, you know, um, and either either could be forms of conquest, you know, and conquest involves like showing off all of your, you know, fancy work, <laughs> you know, like yeah. the, like the peacock opening up the tail. So whatever you consider makes you like special and worth having, <laughs> worth tasting, you will share. Um, but then I I feel like it's you know it becomes different in when it's in practice you know the translation is where we're at you know where where it's different because you know when the intimacy it's when exactly when you are actually you know naked with each other looking Mm -hmm. in each other's eyes in that kind of like high adrenaline place with which also makes you want to please want to be liked you know it's just like it's a very intense yeah you know, need to be accepted when you're most naked. Um, so, you know, you you you, fi- you feel that you've put yourself in danger. <laughs> there is definitely that element, you know. So you're looking to your partner for, like, acceptance. Um, and, you know, finding that balance where you do feel... Uh, wanted and accepted but also able to get out of whatever in your mind is the cliche of that desire that you embody at that moment and that and that that's the the, you know that's the the moment of of freedom of like that that's the channel right and it doesn't matter that, yeah. if you're kinky or queer or whatever because no. we all get stuck in a channel you know and if you just like stay in that channel no matter it doesn't matter like how you know kinky could be well one man's kink is another man's vanilla it, ice cream i'm sorry yeah i said one man's kink is one man's vanilla ice cream like my kink could be something so not kinky to someone else, but it's a kink to them, you know? So it's, that's another thing. It's like my kink could be like the most vanilla, not sexy thing, but some, but someone else understands that it's my, like I, my turn on. So it's kink is so it's a, such a broad term. No, of course. But yeah, yeah no, but nothing, nothing like has that, to be kink. Right. Even within our own definition of what our pleasure is, we, no matter, you know, we get stuck, you know, we often like come up with something and then we just like repeat that because it works and we get stuck. And then that freedom 
is no longer there. So the moment that we start assigning patterns repetitively, um, I feel we lose the you know purity of 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 expression. And and Ag that's why agreed. you know the danger well, also... the danger matters. It's important to feel like you have things on the line. <laughs> Do you think so? See, I don't. I I disagree with that. I don't think that that's. I maybe in a subconscious realm, but I also feel like that fear is an, it, it. It can create it can create other problems down the road. What I, what I thought was interesting is that when you said the ultimate freedom. Um, prior to that is that there is such a, when you are truly naked with your words with someone else, I feel like this is a, a big reason why, why women have uh, the, in a, some women have inability to have multiple orgasms or orgasm at all is that there is this block fear-based block that either they're going to lose something or there, there, it, it becomes, outside of them and that's what I don't want that's what I try to stay away from it has to be about you as well you can hold space for an individual and have a conversation and be and then be in but be have the intimacy of of being raw and naked and then also have this sexual experience where you are making love to your partner and you are fully present but what I have experienced is that when I have been in my highest orgasmic state, when I'm like do, having multiple orgasms um, freely, like in seconds within each other without a lot of work, it's because I am so there with my, so present with myself as this is my experience and I'm not just giving to my, my other, I'm not just pleasing my partner. Although I know it's like having the, it's, ha it's like being presently objective. It's a very, I, I'm, I'm also having this like complete epiphany while, I'm, while we're doing this. So, um, cause I've never thought about it before because I have my, my last few relationships, I've definitely been more on the confident side in my sexuality. Obviously I'm older, and I'd have more experience and I work into practice, but it has to do a lot with the fact that like, I am, I am presently there with them and I'm in love with them and I want to please them and I'm sharing an experience. But I'm also oddly enough, very present for myself and my own body and my own uh, pleasure and all of that. So that's something that I feel like ha needs to be kind of put into play in these conversations too, is that, not being, it's not a selfish thing at all. It's not like, oh, I'm going to have like 10 million orgasms tonight. But it's like when you feel this confidence and you're able to, um, your body is able to respond to it by having, you know, or orgasms or sporting or anything that like your, your, your body is reflecting what your highest state is, you know, it's <laughs> happy, complete like bliss and endorphins are running. Then, you're you're actually creating kind of more of a of a of a playful center for you and your your partner to be in because it kind of it gets messy <laughs> it gets it literally gets messy yeah 
Yeah. You can't, you, yeah. So the embarrassment factor goes away when the mess comes. Cause you're like, well, that's listen, if I'm going to have 15 orgasms in 10 minutes, you're going to best bet that this bet is going to be wet. wet yeah, with yeah, like yeah. No, it gets fluid. messy. I mean, I definitely, you know, I, I think I, you know, always tend to close my eyes and I close my eyes because I want to go somewhere and not actually be looking at the details because I'm past, you know, I have gone past the visual into like fully experiential right like out of body consciousness through my body so i don't want the you know the things the objects because they feel limiting but yeah what i was what i was saying which i and i agree with you that all of that yes 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 you know it's about uh being in yourself and you know receiving and being totally ready to receive and knowing how to receive and having opened your body enough and learned your body enough, mm-hmm. you know, on, on all kinds of like sexual experiences and experiments so that uh, when, you know, new things come your way, you're open to them and you feel them and you, you know, uh, can uh, follow them into new pleasures and, um, and that, and I, that's what I was trying to say, that it's it's important to kind of like say yes to pleasure <laughs> and, um, and, you know, give because you are receiving and because you are happy and you want to make happy and you want to share this ecstasy um, so that both are in this place at the same time of giving in exchange for receiving instead of kind of like giving because you want to please the other um, or, um, you know, taking because like that's what you want out of the moment is you just want to, you know, come and release that energy and move on to something else. And yes, yeah, sl- <laughs> slowing down the pace and allowing room for trying things out and not, you know, not expecting any sort of like outcome. So even though we talk about orgasm, you know, a lot of sexual experience doesn't have to end in orgasm. Or conversely, a lot of sexual experience can happen and after a number of times, it becomes orgasmic and before it wasn't. And then it becomes uh, always orgasmic. And then, you know, uh, something else, another sexual experience or experiment that you've never tried. And it could be really anything that either partner can come up with so long as it doesn't have to necessarily, you know, end in that predictable way when then we both feel like, okay, we're done. You know, like it's not, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, we we fed the body and now we can go back to more important matters, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which we tend to 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 think like you know we tend to overvalue the mind and undervalue the the body when the body is who we are well the body is also emotional what we depend on to exist so the body is i (laughs) yeah and the body is also our emotional state so we are not just we're feeding our spiritual emotional state by feeding that the body right um to me, it's really important that when I'm in a partnership that I'm able to, I mean, even solo, like that I'm able to like spend a day with my person or by myself and have a session, like have a day session of like pleasure, of self-love, of being with my partner, you know, eight, 10 times 
it's a requirement. <laughs> it's a requirement to like date me. You're going to have to be able to have sex eight times that day. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I think that's, that's no, but... that's beautiful. I, I, I think that's beautiful. It's a beautiful, actually, it's beautiful, especially right now, you know, to kind of like revisit that uh, option. And why haven't we done that if we haven't, you know? Uh, well, maybe it's because we don't make money that way or maybe it's because like we don't get likes that way or maybe it's, I don't know, maybe because it's yeah, like, I mean, a private activity that we don't, the outside world does not, you know, acknowledge us for. So like being aware of those different types of pleasures and rewards and reinforcements and how many of our sources of reinforcement come from within and make us self-sufficient and whole and how many of our sources for our personal reinforcement come from without, from outside, and therefore make us more and more dependent um, is important. That's like an important, easy Fucking reckoning, especially at the moment of relative stasis, of relative quiet, like a sudden stop in in you know the the wheel, the wheels of life that we're on. Um, yeah. So like, why don't we take a day and devote it to sex? Um, and that's all we do with our partner, or you know, and there are many other things we could devote it to all kinds of pleasures that we don't make money of or were not like identified by in our social or productive existence but we can still enjoy them you know take the day and tend the garden without the camera well that's, i mean that that's a, that's figuratively and literally I right mean, yeah <laughs> like the garden Eden. is your garden yeah yeah no but i mean also like the literal garden of any type yeah but, you know, again, like without the camera, without going live and telling everybody what you're doing, why and how they should be doing it too. <laughs> you know, without considering yourself a freaking expert because you've gardened or you've come eight times or you gardened eight times. Just because it's truly making you happy, you know, if you actually find the, what makes you happy from within yourself as, as a whole person rather than a needy, dependent person and you, you know, kind of like work on making that that feed fatter, you know, the feed that doesn't need the reward from the outside and, um, and planting those seeds of what you can do without needing the outside world to pay you for it or hire you for it or consider you an expert or an influencer <laughs> or a coach or fucking hire you so you can coach them how to eat salad no, or how to like touch your fucking pussy or how to like <laughs> sleep at night or I mean can you give me a fucking break you know I feel like I'm sorry but I feel like this world has become a world of experts who know nothing but like you know the smell of their own ass and that's about it <laughs> and they think everybody should like share in this knowledge you know like expertise is something that takes decades of commitment and it's something and, else you know and this and, is not what we're, we're not failure. talking about that now yeah a lot of failure 
Uh, and we're definitely not here to like judge specifically who is an expert in what at all. I'm just saying that, you know, take your pleasure for whatever it is, whether it's, you know, what makes you calm, whether it is like online shopping. <laughs> you don't have to make a business out of it. Just like do it to relax. Don't, don't even buy the stuff, you know, whether it is, I mean, whatever it is, you know, try not to overshare and instead to over uh, fulfill, you know, to fulfill your own um, need for happiness because the more you can do that as, as, a, as a person in your entirety, as a circular entity, the more you can then be of use to those you love yeah. and perhaps those you want to serve. Uh, be in, of service. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge thing in Buddhism. Like, so I, I've been practicing Buddhism. Like I've been a devout Buddhist. I mean, I practice other philosophies too, but I practice as, I'm a, a part of SGI, which is Namya Horengikyo, that, you know, Nichiren and Yeah. Namya Horengikyo. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I, I, it's so funny when I say that, that people are like, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's usually people in the same like realm. Um, but it's totally about it's it's they they that spiritual practice in itself, and I'm not I'm not just I've 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 tried out a lot of spiritual practices and I've studied world religions and I'm an expert now. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, um, but that was the biggest breakthrough I had in my faith because it taught me how to actually the laws of cause and effect, which are really as above and so below that we practice in paganism as well. And, you know, witchcraft and Wiccan and all that stuff. Um, but it, it taught me of like learning how if my, if I could provide happiness for myself, then I can provide it for someone else. I can show someone else that it's possible not through blind faith, but through practicing. Right. And that yeah. particular practice was the, the, the door opening to this confidence booster of practicing and taking tools that I've already had or tools that I've picked up or tools that I'm still picking up because that's a, it's a lifelong practice. Yeah. Um, and mixing them in to make your own cocktail. And sometimes you have to take out something because you're, you don't want it anymore. It's not working and you add something else in, but it was really about being of service and allowing and, and, and wanting to provide others with something that worked for you that could be tailored to them that will make them happy in the long run or will allow them to open up part of their brain or part of their lifestyle that can call in something that is for them whatever that may be yeah. whether it's another spiritual practice or a person or or money or whatever but that yeah. was the most kind of rewarding um awe factor of of becoming vocal about about these things about these things that i've collected over 40 some odd years mm-hmm. 40 years Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I feel um, that, you know, the chant itself, um, you know, like chanting Namjohorong Giro like a million times, let's say, you know, that time, the, the opening that you create into time 
is, is in itself transformative, even if you didn't do anything else or studied anything else or understood anything else about what you were doing, you know, uh, being able to get that time out of like the, the, the feed, the social conditioned time, you know, the time that you spend doing what you're expected to do, like everybody else, opening up that space for yourself mm-hmm. is is pretty extraordinary because while you're chanting, while you're meditating, you know, while you're embroidering as like our female mm-hmm. ancestors did, you know, you're also, your consciousness is growing. You give yourself time to uh, understand otherness, you know, to understand things that, that I... You, you know that on like an electromagnetic level ra- rather than the same old you know rather than just like reading the news or catching up on the news at the end of the work day um and you know it, you give yourself that extra time to f- to figure out what you've lived through and and what yeah. you're becoming even if it's not in a verbal way or in a narrative way it's happening Right. So we're never really, you know, our consciousness is, is not just like idle. You know, right now that we're in lockdown, we're not idle. Within us, um, you know, the world of, you know, memory formation or, you know, understanding, meaning formation is constantly changing and shifting. So I feel that opening up time this way that cannot be defined um easily is empowering I, yeah i agree what i it's creating um it's inter- that's interesting that you say it that way because when you create that quietness that stillness and and you know and to to take from the chanting so the chanting or any type of which i know you're very um well aware of because you do your your scribal alchemy, but any type of wording is a vibrational kind of contract that you're making, no matter what you think. Um, words, words really are important. So you're making a vibrational pact in the sense of the universe. Chanting is a, a higher vibrational um, uh, way of doing it. And then, uh, but in the stillness, in the thought process, in the calmness, you're allowing that vibration to kind of like, you're allowing that space for the vibration to happen. So it's a really beautiful process of being, of how to be alone, how to take care of oneself right. and how to, and how to then make space to bring others, however they manifest in your life within that space. Anything ceremonial and anything that has been repeated millions and millions of times has no longer actual meaning, you know? So whether it is a prayer, you know, a Christian hymn, uh, a passage from the Bible, um, a chant in any language, um, you know, uh, a a spell, you know, a, a, a magic spell, a weekend spell that is, you know, somewhat it be, you know, a spell that has been repeated, hallelujah, you know, amen, um, aho, mm-hmm. you know, namaste, uh, satnam, yeah. 
you know, there are all these sounds that we make, that we make them not to specifically say something concrete, like per se, but it's a greater communicative tool, right? So it includes so much more. It includes all kinds of, of varieties of meaning in a simple sound. Sometimes it can include both sides, the opposite sides of a meaning <laughs> in the same sound. And so it, it allows us to have a wider expression with each other. And by repeating them in a ceremonial way, so long as we don't get stuck in it, if by repeating them in a ceremonial way, we take, let's say, our individual, um, you know, self-involved consciousness out of it, and I, and that also opens up that extra space, you know, breathing space, within which you can start asking questions that you didn't even know mm -hmm. you, you had. So I, I feel that yeah, right. all of these different ways of being. Um, get you out of the limitations of like the self that you've you know come up with in order to survive in this everyday society, right. society will live. The in. self that you were taught to right. embrace. To me, the way that the tarot is interesting is it, exactly in like the reshuffling and the 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 ritual. Tarot, yeah. it's energetic work. It's exactly. it's, it's ever changing energetic work. Right. Um. It's a tool. It's a tool. There you go. Yes, I, that's what I think too. I think that yeah. it's a, it's a tool to change things around. So whenever you feel like I don't know where I am, I'm having a moment of like complete foggy blindness. You know, which like a lot mm. of people who have COVID nineteen seem to have. You know, like yeah, the, the, the tarot will will take you on another path, an unexpected path. So if you just put your trust in it, you will find yourself uh, experimenting with something, you know, like a, like a little detective. <laughs> like, yeah. What is over I mean, there? The, the, I mean, you know, the, again, the tarot is just, it's such a tool um, and it's such a tangible tool that people relate to. In reality, like to read any kind of energy when you've been reading for a long time, you don't need your cards. I can't, I don't use my cards on myself. They look at me like, fuck you. What are you doing? Like, we're just going to give you every bad answer ever. So I don't, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't read my cards for myself. I stopped doing that about five years ago, or six years ago, because it just stopped working for me. Cause I already, I already, I already developed, um, I already went into the development stage of knowing, my, being confident in my intuition and having to follow it. And when I didn't listen to my, basically my gut brain, then. Kind of going in and out of topics, which I thrive on. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because, exactly. Yeah. It feels like you do, you know, because I feel oh, that I, too I much this, of anyone. I can have this conversation for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Cause you know, too much of anyone becomes dogma and then it's no longer what we're, we're, you know, suggesting or looking for, you know. I mean, I have often found myself in my life um, doing all kinds of these things, many of these practices, and then, uh, you know, whether it's like reading someone or, or, or receiving messages or, you know, or, 
in whatever way, is picking up energetic language and translating it when I'm asked to do it. Um, but I would, but I don't do it. I, you know, I do it if I feel that there is a lot of need from someone who asks, right? And for whatever it is. But I have never done any of these things in a regimented manner as my, you know, career <laughs> or my, you know, like continuous daily practice because I feel that then I will inevitably uh, do them disservice. You know, I will. Turn, I agree. I, will I agree with that. Into, right. So, um, and again, because they become that, a they right. become a product and a commodity. Er, exactly, of an it's a commodification of, of, of your right. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. And then you know, once you um, start to basically simplify and organize uh, any sort of uh, other other energy into a systemology that can be replicated for you know consistent use then you also make it into, um, you know, a, 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 an, almost like a, a, you know, a hologram of itself. You take, you know, you take the magic out of it and it becomes just the, the practice. Um, and I feel that, you know, especially in today's world of like artificial intelligence, right? And like all these oh, people cool. out there, you know, coding, you know, like, translating human knowledge into you know code or system language that then computers can read and feed back to us i you know i especially value things that cannot be turned into you know code um i i've i've always had that for myself that has always been my aesthetic you know when i write a novel when I wrote my thesis you know in college I was very aware I didn't want it to be something that could be made into a movie and when I shot a film I was very clear I didn't want it to be something that could be turned into a book (laughs) you know (laughs) so (laughs) uh, but that's just like a simplification of my you know my criteria but really the ultimate criterion is this you know can 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 the computer find a way to repeat it so um you know yes we have like computer uh, generated astrology every day like all these apps you know and we have com- computer generated tarot readings uh, on our phones readily available yeah. you know and that's 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 there but that's all it is. <laughs> you know, you get like a little paragraph and you make out of it what you want. <laughs> but, you know, it's that quick. It's like an illustration. It's like, a you know, it's like a an, almost an advertisement. It's like a commercial, right? But mm-hmm. it's not like profound knowledge. <laughs> it's not, you know, a, an alchemy, a, a it's no, I mean that's like, I think that's a des- that's either a boredom or a desperate move at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's entertaining, you know, and that's fine. Like it was, so long as you know what your entertainment is, you know, that's that's totally fine. We all need to like let go and just, you know, sit back and be entertained by something. Um can't be like uh, But that's why I like oh, that's no, why no. I like practicing. That's why I like having ceremonial practices and and using magic and 
and creating with magic because I think that magic in itself, and I'm not, I'm not talking about like taking the bunny out of the hat magic, but like <laughs> um, magic in itself is such a creative process. It actually fuels anyone who anyone's artistic cravings. It fuels that because of how beautiful rituals are um, ritualistic practices are because you know, you're, you're setting up your altar um, you are cleaning your space. You are rearranging and smudging crystals or, um, you're making sigils or you're playing with color and candles. And, and then, you know, when you, if you want, you go into sex matches and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, you call on the those, four directions. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You close circle. If you, want, there is if you do, if you do traditional Wiccan, yeah, mm -hmm. you do. You do yeah. your circle. You 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 call the four corners. Mm -hmm. um, you do a circle of salt. I mean, you are and you're playing with herbs and you're playing with you're you're playing with all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it, there's something about it that actually provides this like creative outlet. Oh, where yeah. you're not feeling so stuck yeah. or flustered yeah. with the original with the original problem that you came to with this say spell or this you know desire to manifest or desire to uh, undo or whatever it is. Um, right. Yeah. You're working. You're know, yeah. working with cosmology. You're working with moon cycles. You're working with the stars. You're working with the planets. You're working with the days of the week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. becomes this entire new way of like thinking you're just experimenting with things the same way that in the kitchen you know when you cook it's really more fun to just like kind of throw things in and see what comes out uh even though we've become more and more dependent on like cookbooks and recipes you know and apps and again being told I have being never, told what know, to I've do i've never used any of that i i have so many cookbooks and I and I've like definitely followed a sort of recipe before for like Thanksgiving, <laughs> but I have never used a real recipe in my life. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I followed definitely Thanksgiving because I don't eat the turkey and I have to know how to cook it for other people. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is, you, you know, don't want to kill anyone with raw meat, right? So, I have yes. no idea what I'm doing. I'm not tasting it. So <laughs> if I'm not tasting something, I have to have a general rule. <laughs> um, but but yeah, like I feel that this level of experimenting is exactly what science is about, you know. So like right now we're all like, oh, please, you know, scientists, like hurry up and save us. Why can't they do it faster? Even though trillions of dollars and bullshit is on the line. The reason they can't do it faster, hello, is that's the nature of experimenting. That's the nature of trying things out and you can speed this up because it's trial and trial again and imagining things and like saying well let me see I gotta imagine maybe if it behaves this way will it react this way and if I try this medicine and if I try change this quantity and if I add this agent and what will there is I wonder and they don't know of course they don't know they shouldn't know they're, they're not supposed to know you know the like what our mistake, I feel our mistake, you know, 
regarding knowledge is that we think it's like a prefab thing, you know, like I want to learn that language. Like what's the fastest way to learn to oh, speak that language? I think that we've, and we, it's like, you're not yeah. really speaking the language. You're speaking like the basic words that, you know, maybe will you'll get you like some sort of, uh, you know, response, but you're not speaking the language. You want to know the language. You got to live it. You got to give it time. You know, whether it's your sex life or like your cooking or getting the vaccine for COVID-19, you Which give I it time. I, uh, we give uh, it yeah, yeah. time. And you can't like know the outcome. Knowing the outcome is what the production machine, you know, like the like the major in, uh, complex, you know, complex of like the marketplace wants. They want everything quantifiable and as predictable as possible. And that's where the robots come in, whatever. But we're not, you know, knowledge is not like that. Progress is not like that. Uh, change is not like that. It's actually, the, you know, it takes time experiment trial and you know i don't even call there is no failure it's just part of the learning curve you know and so i feel like getting from where we are which is we get sick and we don't know exactly how but there is an unease a disease and we're trying to play get to a place where we can all be together again and feel at ease right that slow process is like an example of all of our, of our other types of learning that we do in this lifetime, you know, whether it's like learning language, learning how to express love, learning how to, you know, share or, or, or whatever it is that we feel we know, learning how to wait and listen. It takes time. It takes time. It takes so much time. I mean, that, that I honestly don't think, and I think that this is like, I don't think that until you're probably in your, not, I don't want to even say it because, because that might, it's, it's because it doesn't apply to everybody, but it, 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 it takes a few, it takes a lot of life experience to get to those, to, to get to that. You have to go through some shit to be able to, um, be patient with time and realize that time isn't a thing. Like it's not a linear, process it doesn't really exist it's just kind of how our perspective is the the people amongst us who can least guide and lead the way when it comes to knowledge are the young right because it takes not because the elders need to teach them so much but because it's going to take them time in their own consciousness to reinterpret in their own language what is going on around them and what life is giving them you know uh so looking to the young to either write the books of the future or write, make the movies of the future and the near future, you know, the music of the near future or whatever it is, design the clothes of the near future, make the commercials of the near future. It's just, uh, you know, counterproductive. They, they are doing their best, but they can't. The best they can do, working as hard as they can and being as creative and as imaginable as they can is basically use the life experience they've accumulated, uh, which is, you know, limited. And well, yet, and yet we've, lost, we've lost respect for, you know, those who have a 
who have you know worked long and hard in their learning i just feel that that's real uh, you know to me you're an elder <laughs> you know i'm not talking i'm not talking numbers i'm oh not talking age <laughs> i am just talking <laughs> i'm elder. i'm really my thing is mostly about the visual you know i feel that because our world has become so much about what we see on the screen there is like such a you know preference for what what seems youngest and there's you know something we're losing in exchange but you know i'm not really not being um you know I, i'm not even age specific or definitely not you know specific to each person you know and there are all kinds of um uh gifts that you know super young people have i mean look at you know uh, there are geniuses <laughs> we can come up with lots of well examples. there's there's a yeah there's Beethoven. A environmentalist girl greta <laughs> Yeah, so um, there are all kinds. Yes, exactly. So this is not like a case-to-case -case conversation. No. You know, I'm just saying in general when you turn on the TV or when you turn on um, whatever it is, your, you know, your, your main feed, <laughs> whatever that may be. My main feed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, your main viral feed, speaking of the virus. <laughs> That's magic on your own which is the, actually the way that I, I tell people to, to practice it. I don't recommend using a partner unless you, unless that partner is absolutely a hundred percent on the same page as you, because you have to be um, telepathically working for the same goal, like one goal at one time. So I do say to do it by yourself. I, I, I practice masturbation, you know, self-pleasure. Um, but in general, sex magic is basically doing a, a ritual um, that uses certain tools and uses orgasm to manifest anyone's desire, regardless of what it is. Though sex magic definitely does bode well with love, sex, or money. Because sexual energy is mostly ruled by Venus. It could be ruled by Lilith or it could be ruled by Pluto if you want to go into astrological configuration. But let's just say in generic, I like to, when I do sex magic courses, I like to say this is sex magic 101 vanilla, the most vanilla sex magic you can ever <laughs> learn. <laughs> because most people don't have any kind of um, uh, formal training or they're just, they're coming in with curiosity. So I like to present them with the basics and um, the kind of old school, witch, Wiccan folklore type of sex magic. And it's very beautifully done. There's a, there's a whole entire ritual, which I don't have to go into, but um, so it's basically using sigil magic, which is uh, a drawing or representation, a visual re representation of the ma manifestation that you would like to desire. So your ultimate goal, let's say. So if my ultimate goal was to buy a red Ferrari, I could put a sigil of a red Ferrari or I could put red Ferrari and um, I would take out the 
duplicate letters and I would take and I would use the lettering to draw a picture and that picture would be on a on a white piece of paper or a brown piece of paper. And then I have my 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 symbol. It's a symbol. Um I practice on Fridays because Fridays is ruled by by Venus. So it rules the sex and the love and the beauty and finances and all that stuff. So Friday is the most powerful day. I use red candles because red represents passion. You could use white as well because it represents all. And um, I'm not going to get into the candle stuff, but, or like the actual ritual itself. But um, basically, whatever I want to manifest, I use in my, let's say, masturbation story, which I've never put in those terms. But we all have like fantasies when we masturbate, I would assume, if you're not watching porn. Um, <laughs> so I would suggest don't watch porn, obviously, and because that would take you out of like your manifestation process. And I would say do not um, use a toy. If you, if you can help it, don't use toys. Because that also takes you out of your... It, it brings in a, like an electronic and it's just... I, I prefer the natural handheld mechanisms. Um, and then um, you draw your sigil. You, you make sure your space is clean. You make sure that yourself is clean. You, like, you, you kind of wash away everything that surrounds your intention. So you want to make everything kind of almost minimal to your intentions. The intention is the most important thing. And um, masturbation is used for a significantly long time to give yourself that self-love and kind of create this vibe, this mood. And you place that sigil representation, the drawing either on your chest or you hold in your hand. So once you have an orgasm, you orgasm in your hand. That's why I said don't use the, the fluid or don't use a, a toy. And you take the fluid and you put it on the piece of paper and you wrap that piece of paper up and you either carry it in your bra or your underwear or you put it in your um, underwear drawer. The orgasm, the, the ultimate bliss to be your manifestation. You, you are in the I will. You are in the will it mindset. So it's already happened. It, it, it already has happened. It's as if. So it's this like visualization, meditation, using masturbation, <laughs> where you combine all of these tools, combine the ritualistic practices, combine the the cleanliness and the and the stripped down naked of just really kind of focusing on the desired intent, and your your orgasm is it. Ha visually you're seeing it happen when you come you're seeing this already come to fruition and so you take the you with that fluid is the is is part of you going into your your drawing your creation of that and then wrapping it up is keeping it safe close to the heart um and you know that's why you put it in the underwear if you're a woman you wear a bra panties, whatever. Um, and, and how often do you do this uh, for the same wish, let's say, and hypothetically, it, and how long before you see something actually changing in your life? Again, you know, I understand this is like a wild guess, but just to give 
Well, I know I actually ha- I actually do have that. I have I have that estimate. <laughs> okay, yeah, that estimate exactly. That's a good word. Um, I would say that you have the the most important thing is to have this clear intent because you have to be very centered. I mean, obviously, there's going to be like a little bit of like ridicule and doubt within, but you have to be centered where like you are detaching from the manifestation process where you're detaching from the outcome, which means that you believe in yourself and your desire to come to fruition without holding on to the outcome so hard that you're, you're going to kind of kill it with that energy afterwards. Cause that, that the holding on to the outcome of any manifestation using any kind of magic will cancel out the manifestation process after the ritual is done if you're like on top of it looking at it you know like figuring out if it's like working you have to believe in yourself and believe in what you've done enough to detach from it and see it work out like see it play out so that's rule one with that said what if you're able to do that it takes about one month to see results on average the four weeks wow yeah and you feel like just doing it once on a Friday uh, in, with full intention is enough. You don't have to do it again. Well, that depends. Um, I do think that once with full intention is enough when it comes to certain things. When it when it when it is a little bit more dicey, when there's more factors within. Sometimes you have to do it. Every, I would say do it every Friday. Okay. Um, but that's just that, again. That's like a case. That's a case to case. That's not also includes. I mean, I've worked with ancestral altars. I've worked with different like candle magic. I've worked with different um, magic spells. Where sometimes I've had to alter the date of how long I'm using this spell work to create like elongated responses so somebody that does something that's an ancestral altar might use might change the water on their altar let's say every seven days if and wants to take this into the relationship then they agree on a common goal is that what it is yes yeah the common goal has to be shared by both and both practitioners have to be able to be fully present, not in the sexual act in itself only, but be fully present in what their desired outcome is. That's why I say you have to practice with someone that's on your level. Because when you're with a partner for a long time that knows that you're a sex practitioner or that you believe in it, they might be able to understand a little bit more and because you've already had these conversations or they've seen you practice or whatever, they understand a little bit more of what the intent is rather than someone that you're like, hey, <laughs> do you want to come over to my place and practice sex magic? And they're like, fuck yeah, that sounds so witchy and hot and blah, blah, blah. And then they're more involved with like the actual um, aspect of what's going on than the intent. Perhaps it it makes the sex more... Uh, focused on the magic if you're having, let's say, more casual sex elsewhere? Well, I think it focuses more on the magic if you've been together for a long time. Right. And so you both have, you both are aware of each other's mentality and aware of like 
what the, again, something that's bigger than yourself. When you have an open relationship, which I completely actually believe in, and I don't just believe in like the, I don't believe in poly. It's not the polyamory or the, what I, my friend always in front of me, it's not polyamory. Um, It's not just being non-monogamous. It's actually about having open communication where you are so honest about your desires and needs that you can actually provide your partner with an open relationship because you are best friends and there is a shared risk Best of hi. These are the. This is what I am craving or desire right now because there's something within me that I need to explore. Mm-hmm. And that person that you're with is like, wow, I love you, I respect you, and I don't, you know, I want to be, I want to be part of this in however their dynamic goes with the open, with the cat, with the open relationship because there's so many different ways of doing it. Um that there it's inclusive. So it's, it's an inclusive relationship with a partner rather than going out and cheating on them. You're having an open dialogue about your desires, needs, and wants that you, that are, you're seeking from an outside party. Your right. person, your partner is involved in that. So there's no emotional cheating. I think emotional cheating is a lot worse than physical cheating. I would rather have someone physically be with someone else than lie to me about it. That's betrayal. Emotional betrayal is so hurtful rather than having someone like knowing that they're not they're inside of them. There's something physically not satisfied. And it's not because of you. It's because of whatever they've experienced in life. And they need to experience a little bit more. And so you're part of that. You're part of that growing process. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So for those those practitioners that are doing sex magic that are in open relationships, they've gotten to that point where they can actually talk to each other, communicate their needs and desires and understand that this is that their relationship is actually priority because if they didn't, communicate those needs and desires, the relationship wouldn't be as prioritized. Yeah, exactly. And so long as they're like in a place of openness, so they don't say, this is what I need, take it or leave it, this is who I am, but it's more like, this is what I need, but I want to do it, you know, from, in a way that we agree on together so that you feel, you know, a partner in it and you feel equal and you feel respected and you feel included and you have your hard limits, you know, met, whatever they may be, then it becomes a dialogue. So, so long as like both the partner, both partners are open to kind of like adapting and change for the sake of the relationship, the relationship gets stronger and it grows roots and, you know, it gets, it, go, it, grows it gets to be much, much more strong than actual, than a lot of other relationships that I've been, been witnessed upon because they go yeah, it through gets, something it gets that like, you're challenged. Yeah, it gets tested yeah, in, in the real world. Yeah, you are challenged to actually not deal with a partner's unfaithfulness you know, because that's a challenge within itself. And that's when like a lot of uh, trust and and loss of respect happens. But you are challenged in communication. You are challenged beyond your own belief. You are challenged to trust another person 
and at their word because they are sharing so openly with you. You that is like to me that is the ultimate unconditional love. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I'm with you. Definitely. And I think that it's worth doing and you know, um there's really no other way to have long-term relationships that don't leave people feeling that they sacrificed a lot for the sake of having this relationship. Um, you know, in in this society that we live in where we have so many options and um that could lead to resentment. So you know, just overcoming the fear of speaking about things, ideas, desires, uh, is, you know, a, a great start. And then being open to to, to hearing it uh, from a place of trust, yeah. So, and again, I feel like the, the sex magic that you spoke of opens up space for that, for sure. Yeah, no, it, it's... um. I think that it's a it's a way of well that it, it opens up a way of of communication between two people, but it, but in reality, practicing it by yourself opens up a portal within you to be able to go into places like that in the future or near future or not, you know. But being open to other people's experiences or future experiences because you're able to hold more space for someone when you are reaching your own goals and desires or you're, or you're able to understand the manifestation creation process better yeah. and play yeah. with it. Right. And you're more conscious while you're in your sexual being. So that's... That's amazing. <laughs> you know, making you conscious of what's happening, what you're doing, I think is wonderful. Very liberating. It's, it's very liberating. Sex, exactly. sex exactly. lib for me. That's sex lib. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's actual, it's like absolute like moksha. It's complete liberation. It is a freedom within the, of being bound. Right. You yeah, know, being yeah. tied up. It's a freedom. Yeah. It's um, unbound, unbound, uncovered, yeah. unleashed. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. So thank you for coming, Francesca, and sharing. And, you and until next week, keep speaking sex. If I could make love incessantly. I would be God. <laughs>